Hello and welcome to Enterprise Linux Security, episode 63, where we're trying to not let our cloud hard drives be cloud hard drives because cloud-enabled backup drives, what's the worst that can happen? How you doing? All good. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, this week we have yet another report of uh, a security incident, this time hitting Western Digital. Um most of the details that we're going to go through will be more relevant to home and consumer, regular consumers rather than enterprise. But there are some aspects of it that will hit definitely very close to home if you're a, if you're an enterprise user. Um, yeah, so apparently last month, at the end of last month, about the 26th, I believe, um, Western Digital got hacked, got breached, something like that, and uh, the hackers managed to get into the network and they have since claimed to be in possession of about 10 terabytes of data from Western Digital. Yeah. Which, given which given the size of the disk that they are producing at the moment, is not that much, but still. I think the and it's so surprising to me that a cloud-enabled hard drive could potentially fall into the wrong hands. Like, I never... Okay, I'm just kidding. This is not surprising at all. I think usually a lot of the people that I've seen comments from, they're basically like, yeah, we basically have been trying to tell them that for a while. Not It's cloud-enabled. It's So my understanding, and I know you can elaborate more on this, is that there's a number of devices that Western Digital sells. The MyCloud device, which I hate calling it that. It looks like, it sounds like a um, an off-brand version of Nextcloud, my cloud instead of Nextcloud, whatever. Um, but but they have cloud-enabled hard drives. But then when I looked at the at the story in more detail, I was surprised by how many products they have that are cloud-enabled. Uh, flash drives, that's not surprising. We could probably guess that would happen. And then there's a wireless charger that's cloud-enabled, and it's impacted <laughs> by this. Okay, um, and I don't know about anyone else, but I'll tell you this: a a, a phone charger is literally the last thing that I want cloud enabled. I'm sorry, I just want nothing to do with that. I had to look it up. What is this thing? And it's apparently a device where you, it's a wireless charger, you put, you put your phone on it and it could back up your phone while you're charging it. Okay, that sounds great. Um, and being able to access your files definitely sounds great on paper if you're able to access your files from anywhere, but you know, I'm sure the majority of our audience knows exactly where we're going with this. Um, so, my the, their my cloud service became their cloud. We don't know who they are, but apparently somebody <laughs> got in and is is trying to extort Western Digital. And as we'll get into the statement later, they even used extort on their their verbiage, you know, which is interesting to me. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the situation started, as I understand it, March twenty sixth, um, April third. Um, I, I think that's the first date that I found a story being publicized about this. And people generally started noticing that their cloud-enabled hard drives, they weren't able to access them. They're getting 503 errors, so something's going on. Uh, early comments were like, yeah, there's probably a breach, even before anyone knew there was one. So as of a couple of weeks ago, it happened. And my understanding is they're still having problems getting through. So, Zhao, um, I know you could go way deeper than that. So that's the executive summary. So now we can get into the technical <laughs> part of it. Yeah. Um, before getting into that, I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. The The next wave of products from Western Digital is not going to be called my cloud or their cloud or anybody's cloud. It's going to be AI, your AI hard disk. Yeah. And they're going to slap AI on every single product that they're going to put out, say, 
from now on until the, until the new wave comes With out. With QR codes. Anyway. As well. <laughs> you know the type, right? They're probably going to have, yeah. um, what is it, NFTs added on and all these other things that they want to <laughs> probably get into while the rest of us are like, come on, just make hard drives, please. That's what you're known yeah. for. Can you just stick to that? Anyway. I still remember the time when the Raptors were great. Um, anyhow. So, yeah, they have a huge assortment of products around the cloud and the interface with the cloud somehow. And by interfacing with the cloud, it means that their authentication process goes through their systems in the cloud. Mm -hmm. So your NAS that's sitting right there next to your PC or your whatever storage system you're using from Western Digital, basically all of them have this type of inter integration enabled, um, has to go through their cloud service. Why is that relevant? Well, that's relevant because as part of this breach, Western Digital decided to take down their own services. And that's absolutely the right thing to do. That's absolutely the best decision they yep. could have made. This is something that we've mentioned when dealing with ransomware incidents. You should take down everything as soon as possible and then work from there. And they did just that. And good for them for mm -hmm. doing that. Still, the integration that you have on your home NAS device with their cloud service means that when their email service goes down, your NAS becomes inaccessible. And this comes pre-configured to work this way. What I mean by this is that when you try to log into your device, rather than using a login and a password, you type in your, your email and you get sent back a number that you need to type in to, to be accessed. It's a multi-factor authentication something. Um, regardless, when their email service was down, nobody could receive the code, so nobody could access their, their panels. And that's pretty bad when you have your files stored in a device that's supposed to provide you with backup facilities and sharing and all of that, and it's basically just a paperweight at this, at this time. They have since brought the service back up again, and they have since provided instructions on how to enable local access and create accounts for local access. But out of the box, if and again, this is aimed at home users, you just want somewhere where you can place your files. Mm -hmm. So you're probably not going to go through the hassle of configuring additional accounts and all of that. You read the sheet that comes with the device, if any, and you just set up your cloud account and you're done. You don't do anything else. So in that situation, while this uh, event was taking place, you basically lost access to your data. You were talking about the phone charger being uh, internet enabled. What about your garage door? Right. <laughs> what about your refrigerator, your AC unit, all of that? None of those things need to be cloud enabled. Yeah. In this case, this is taken to the extreme that if it's not cloud reachable, then it doesn't even let you in. And that's pretty bad. Yeah, there was a comment. I, I wish I had it on my screen and I was trying to find it that happened in Twitter so I could quote the individual directly. Um, but it said something along the lines of, you know, when this was going on, like, yeah, I'm, on, I'm sitting on my couch and I just want to access my own data from within my own house. You know, that's all I want right now. I don't, you know, they're just trying to get to their files. And it, you have to just wonder what they were thinking. And I almost wonder if we should call this the face palm of the week. We really need to bring that back. But the problem is mo <laughs> the majority of our episodes are face palm of the week because that's kind of what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but this is a stark reminder of something slightly different and more related to the enterprise world. When you're storing your data on the cloud, 
the cloud has outages. It's not like you can just run down the stairs and look at the servers and spot whatever is wrong and fix it. It's in the cloud somewhere. This can happen. This happened to Western Digital. Does anybody imagine that Western Digital is not security concerned? They don't handle this stuff with care? And even them got breached. The big players have been breached recently. Microsoft had a breach, EA, we've mentioned several of them. I mean, at some point, this type of providers just become too big to fail like the banks because you have so much data that if somebody gets in, there's going to be a flood of data and they're not going to be able to find anything interesting or relatively little information is going to be able to be extracted. But this doesn't happen just to Western Digital. They just happen to be the victims of the week or the victims of the month. Uh, the big players can be hit by this as well. And by the big players, I mean the big five, the, the Microsoft, the Facebooks, the Amazons, all of them can be hit by something like this. Um, and it makes you wonder, is it part of your contingency plan to deal with an outage like this if it happens to you, if it happens to your company? Do you have a, a plan to, to continue operating without access to this? Because one of the, the comments that was made um, in relation to this story was from a supposedly, a Western Digital employee, saying that this was affecting operations worldwide and nothing was being produced while this was happening because the systems were down. Um, that should be part of the contingency plan for something like this. I know that immediately when you bring down the services, that's a rough place and a rough moment in time, but you should be able to bring something back up again within a few days so that you can restore a minimum semblance of functioning and being able to produce something. If your factory stopped because of this, how much money is this going to cost Western Digital? It's going to rack a very much, very, very big loss in a really fast amount of time. I completely agree. I, and I want to clarify a comment that I made. Um, when I referred to this as the facepalm moment, I don't have any knowledge of how their internal network was designed or what it was in particular that allowed somebody in. I don't have that information. So my facepalm comment is not Western Digital designed this wrong. I don't even know how they designed it. I don't even know what's on the back end. But facepalm in the way that these things just don't need to be internet enabled, just like you were saying. And in the other podcast that I just finished, I mentioned the story briefly on that one. And one of the comments was basically like, what's next in an internet-enabled toilet? Do not give anybody ideas because there's probably a use case for anything. And this is the world we live in where, you know, we're cloud-enabling all the things and the more seasoned among us are like, why? We kind of don't need that. We just need a hard drive. And as you're saying, you know, <laughs> getting into the enterprise side of this, there's so many things to unpack because... Um, Someone might just be quick to throw Western Digital under the bus because of a very common comment that comes up with any company that suffers from this. There's at least that one person making the comment, but there's usually several. Like, you didn't notice all that data being exfiltrated from your networks? Trust me, if it was that easy, that wouldn't have happened. Um, sometimes these people collect data over a very long period of time, you know, staying under the radar, trickling things out. But then again, you know, if you're in the business of storage, Okay, keep in mind, you have data going in and out all the time. How are you going to know that 
it's not somebody, for example, linking their Steam library to their hard drive and then um, trying to pull in a backup of every video game that they purchased in the last 15 years all at once. It happens all the time. That's, you know, people use these things and they use them like crazy. You have people that have, you know, just a couple of photos on there that, that barely even constitutes more than a flash drive, but they still have the thing. And then you have someone else who has their entire Plex library on there and they're sharing it with all their friends. So, um, the situation is it's, it's not easy to detect these kinds of things, but you know, when a company decides we're going to make this cloud enabled part of that decision, like you were saying, has to be the contingency plan because there is a zero possibility of making something cloud enabled and not have a way of somebody getting in. You are, you are accepting that risk when you decide to do that. And you need to have, as you're saying, that contingency plan in case it goes south. Yeah, the, some way to maintain operations yeah. in some fashion, even if just barely maintaining a semblance of operations, but it has to continue somehow. Um, I mean, Western Digital is not your mom and pop store from the corner. They have a huge operation. They have a huge workforce. They have factories all over the place. They have lots of shipments that they need to make. And if everything stopped for 10 days, like they, it's been claimed, that's a very, very long time for this. Um, and yeah, their services were down for a very long time. Their users were complaining about this. Again, and I mentioned this before we started, they managed to do both exactly the right thing that they were supposed to be doing, which was stopping everything and breaking the, the attack midway. And then they managed to fumble a few other things that they shouldn't have. Um, one of the things that they have not probably handled correctly is the... the the public facing aspect of this, the, the communication side of this. They've come out with a couple of um, press releases about it, saying that they have experienced a security breach and all of that. Um, but I don't know, that doesn't seem to go far away enough into restoring the, the public, the, their credibility into the public eye. Um, they're going to have a really hard time recovering from something like this. Um, the impacts of, uh, of a security breach, and we still don't know exactly what was accessed and what was stolen, what is in those 10 terabytes. So far, we've only had some comments from the hackers, or somebody claiming to be the hackers, that they have about 10 terabytes of data, including customer data, internal uh, organization information, and signed uh, executables from executable files from from western digital which is bad uh, firmware source code which is very very bad and we'll get into why this is bad um, but there hasn't been any official confirmation one thing that we know has happened because it's public it has to be to be public is that um, western digital has filed the form 8k uh, with the Securities Exchange Commission, I believe it's the name of the institution in the US. You only do, uh, you only feel one of those reports when something massive happens and affects your business. Say you change your CEO, you change your board, your bylaws, you make, a, you intend to make a big acquisition, or you suffered, or you've been the the target of a, a bid for somebody else to buy, or something like that, and you need to report that to the the stock exchange authorities. They did that because of this breach. So that immediately tells us two things. First, that it can be pretty massive business-wise, and it goes beyond just the 10 days that they didn't produce anything. This is probably more damaging than just that, and we still don't know how much. And that it really is serious that 
they basically confirm the hack. So it's not just somebody claiming, oh, we got into Western Digital, we offer no proof of this, you have to trust us that we're still on the network. Basically, Western Digital filing this information basically confirms the whole story. Yep, it, it absolutely does. And another uh, enterprise side of things is, you know, you probably should check your purchase order history just to make sure if somebody... Um, uh, you know, an employee asked for a hard drive to be purchased and maybe your purchasing department decided to go with that one. If there was a, you know, and, and I think people know what I'm talking about at different companies. You have, um, you know, an employee or two that, that has different needs to, to say it the nice way. And they have a, you know, a hard drive on their desk or some something people don't, don't normally have, you know, check your purchase order history and make sure you didn't order one of these. Because then one of the worries is, if um, let's just say you have hypothetically an engineer has some blueprints or CAD designs or something and needs to offload them to a hard drive, uh, it's possible that company secrets could have been on a hard drive like this. I would I would I would hope that a, you know enterprises aren't buying consumer you know residential hard drives, but then again it is what it is. It's Western Digital, so they probably trust it. It's possible. It's just something to look into to see if you have one of these on your network, and if you do. Uh, it's a matter of trying to find out what's on it, what could have leaked out. And then the other question is, I mean, is this going to be a litigation thing? I have no idea, but I think that there's going to be a lot more coming out, but we still have a lot more to talk about. And we're not, we're not even, we're halfway the, done yet. There's probably going to be grounds for some litigation here. I mean, losing access to your files on your device at your house, just because Western digital systems were down. That has to be disclosed somewhere on their terms of service, and I don't know if it was or not. Um, coming pre-configured to require cloud access to be able to access your files, that's tricky. Um, I don't know. I don't know the, the exact legal ramifications of this, but at face value, I'd say there might be something there. Um, and again, the, the filing for the Form 8K probably means that in that data, and they already realized this, there are some trade secrets there. Um, if it comes to light, that if the hackers decide to come through with the, um, with the threats they are making, and it, if, if it comes to light that their trade secrets and their competitive advantages that they have, I mean, the hard disk space is pretty tight. The competition is ferocious, and every advantage that you can get, whether it's a new way of storing data on the platters or a new engine design or something like that, a new motor design for the for the, the hard disks, that's pretty big. And getting that in the hands of your competition or somebody that shouldn't have that information, which basically is anybody outside the company, then that can be very damaging for the, the business side of things. And the impact from that, by filling that form, that they are basically admitting that it can be very, very, very damaging for Western Digital. Um, I mean, there's no way that I'm exaggerating this. If it was just a breach, Microsoft didn't file something like this when they were hacked. Um, EA did, uh, didn't file something like this when they were hacked. But these guys did. And one of the things that they're also doing very well is that they're not even communicating with the, the hackers. So they're either calling their bluff or, I mean, they have a very big pair of, and I'm not going to go through the rest <laughs> because we're on the podcast, and they're playing chicken with the hackers and seeing who blinks first. But yeah, this is a really risky strategy here. And they're asking for eight figures. That the, they're eight asking figures, for yeah. eight figures 
and extortion for uh, whatever it is they they think they're, you know, because the question is always there. I mean, even if they pay, would they get it back? But they should never pay. They should, and they're doing the right thing. They're not even communicating with them. And then um, I believe it was today, wasn't it? That note allegedly was from the hackers, and um, that's the note that had the word extort in it, which I don't remember seeing in a hacker communication. But I haven't read any, you know, all of them either. They usually. Uh, frame themselves in a good way that they're doing the right thing and you know they're they're very clear we got you we want your money and they're getting upset because uh no you know nobody's talking to them <laughs> it's ridiculous they're complaining that they try to con <laughs> apparently part of the information that they got were phone numbers from the executives they've been trying to contact the executives directly through their personal emails and through their direct phone message, uh, phones and they're getting pretty annoyed that nobody talks to them. At some point, they complain that they are making the call, somebody picks up, they just listen and don't reply and then hang up the phone. And they are getting exceptionally annoyed at this. From from the message that was publicized today, I don't know if it was, if it was actually published today or yesterday, but regardless, it was very recent. From the hackers complaining that they're getting no communication, that they're losing their patience and that they're going to release the date and all of that. I don't know. the The tone looks like a, a very angry teenager trying to do something and not getting any results and becoming very angry and frustrated. Yeah, um, they're they're going to get caught so quick. I guarantee this because they're literally doing everything wrong. It's like, yeah, we're they're, they're making phone calls or doing this, and they're communicating to everyone on Twitter and all these things. And you know that's metadata right there. Like like all the FBI has to do is correlate those events with. You know, they just need a certain number of subpoenas to get to the target. That's usually what separates the uh, threat actor uh, from getting caught in a situation like this. So, um, and, and the reason why I think this way is because of the clumsiness of that um, that uh, message or whatever I want to call it that was released today. It was just so clumsy, then it just reeks of clumsiness to the point where, yeah, they're going to be behind bars pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I feel exactly the same. Still, the, the hackers, if they really have the data and it's as, as valuable as they're making it appear to be, um, they might find buyers elsewhere because regardless of all the other information that might be contained there, just the firmware source code alone, that's very valuable. Um, intelligence agencies, uh, security companies, all of those would pay a lot of money to get their hands on something like this. Um, there have been reports of specially targeted attacks at specific individuals by intelligence agencies using uh, modified firmwares on hard disks uh, used to exfiltrate data and all of that and bypass encryption on the device. Um, something like this would facilitate the lives of anybody trying to create an exploit like that. If you actually get the source code, if you can compile it and deploy it to a device, you're more than halfway there in creating such an exploit. You could literally break people's hard drives like really easily because you can create signed firmware that's one version number higher of whatever they have out. And with that signed key, the drive will accept it. You could disable the temperature check, for example, and just let the drive happily just wear itself out and overheat and things like that. I mean, there's so many... Um, I mean, destroying a disk is one thing, but then even then, if you have local access and their firmware just opens up access again to get data off that hard drive, it's it's like, what do you do? Do do we do, do people just you know never use these hard drives again? And who's going to refund them for it? It's under support, possibly, but 
it's like what's one thing to wonder if they're going to pay and I hope they don't and it looks like they're not going to and that's great but then what about the the customers it probably would be hard to not need to go buy a new hard drive now you know or or for example you store an unencrypted version of the data on a separate area of the disk that you're not showing the user and the firmware can hide that mm -hmm. from the user and there's no way to see it only the firmware knows that it's writing twice. It's just slightly slower than usual, but you'll never the notice that. Spare sectors is a, is a, on, is a very e easy... For that, example. That's like the number one, I think, people try to hide things in the spare sectors because the the file system isn't even looking there. Yeah, and you have to dig pretty deep to, to find something like that. But again, lots of, uh, of ways to, to attack something like that when you have the source code. Additionally, it might happen like in some previous releases of source code, like when Windows source code was released like many years back and it was leaked somehow and it was an old version, but there were all those weird comments throughout the code that this doesn't work or this works, but we don't know why. Don't change that line because it breaks this and that. Even that is damaging for a company like Western Digital. If your information is leaked and it contains stuff like that, your it's damaging for your reputation, for your brand image, for people's trust in your products. Um, and I mean, that's something that developers write that they never expect to see the public eye and they just write whatever they feel they should write there and it never gets I taken out. I have seen it many times um, and I can't say anything about where I've seen it, but I have <laughs> seen source code and I have squirmed at some of the comments that I've seen in some of this code. It's, it's a big problem. Yeah, so imagine now having that publicly available. Again, and I go back to this because that filing of that report, that tells us that there is something really bad there. Um, they're not engaging the hackers. They're seeing who blinks first. And I hope they win. I hope they manage to catch the hackers before, before they, they release something just out of spite. But still, um, very bad day for, for Western Digital. Um, and again... Imagine you're in a situation like this, and it's your company that's trying to be extorted, that somebody is trying to extort. Um, imagine that they are asking for those 10 figures and you actually have the budget like Western Digital has, and you decide to pay. Nobody, you have no guarantee that you're gonna be the only ones that they're selling to. They might double dip. They might pay, <laughs> take your 10 millions and take somebody else's millions and just make a copy of the data. It's data, you have no way of knowing if it was copied or not. Right, it, it, exactly. I mean. They could pay, and then the threat actors could be like, thank you very much for complying. You did the right thing. Now we're also going to send the data to everyone because we have your money. So, you know, and you took too long to respond, and that really made us angry. So now we're still going to release all the data. Uh, you never really know. And that's, the you know, one of the many reasons why we tell people never to pay because uh, you have no guarantee that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And every single superhero movie I have ever seen in my entire life has had the villain claiming they would do the right thing, but it's a trap, right? You never know. And, and that's kind of true with these things. They have no incentive to tell the truth. They hacked into a network. So already their trustfulness is out the window at that point. So they're, they're, it's just a really horrible situation all the way around. And uh, I think this probably goes without saying. I'm going to just say it in case it hasn't been said, but I'm sure it already has because it's common sense. Filing a report like that, we have company and user data out in the wild. 
personally identifiable information Very about likely. the right about the company and their employees, the internal stuff, Very plus likely. the residential data. That's probably because that's what they're in the business of doing. They're storing data for you. Yeah. What else would be leaked? The data. Yeah. I don't imagine the enterprise customers being in that list because you don't purchase enterprise orders. You don't buy 500 hard disks through their consumer portal. You talk to your partners and you do your procurement that way. So this is going to affect mostly enterprise, uh, mostly consumers and home users. And maybe that, like you mentioned, that company that bought one or two hard disks or yeah. something like that through their regular there could be portal. a few blueprints on there it's just something to check because i agree with you it's most likely probably not but i think considering the audience there's going to be at least a couple companies out there that might have purchased one of these but the, generally speaking they probably also got a call to help desk hey my hard drive doesn't work anymore which is probably a big red flag but yeah i mean this is going to be a big problem because it already is and it's just going to we're going to find out more but also keep in mind um, the whole hard drive shucking thing. There's people that buy these. I don't know if they're buying these, but they just tear them apart because sometimes it's cheaper to buy a, a you know a portable hard drive just to take the hard drive out and put it in a server or something because they're saving some money. And now you have hard drives being used somewhere where it's not intended. And given your point about firmware, then you have firmware that could be in surprising places at that point. Yeah, like you said, imagine the the new firmware version suddenly stops res um, putting out the, the right numbers for the smart information. The temperature is like 40 degrees cooler than it actually is. You're going to burn your disks. Um, anyway, one of the claims that the hackers do, I mean, like they always do, they always try to paint themselves in the good light and all of that. And they're accusing Western Digital of espionage and you're not just running cloud service, you're looking at stuff that you shouldn't. I'm not that quick to, to disregard that notion. First, because this thing about making you immediately have to have a cloud account and having to log in through that cloud account or else your service doesn't work, it doesn't really bode very well for Western Digital. I mean, if you're forced to grow to go through the cloud to to access your files, then they know when you're accessing your files. Even if they're not looking at your files or don't know which files exactly, they know when you're at home or looking at the files or if you're connecting remotely, they know from where the connection is coming from. That's a lot of information. Even if it's just metadata about the connections, that's a lot of information that you can gather from users just by looking at that. Um, and then there's the, the whole level of access that Western Digital has on their devices. If it's just the authentication, and it can be bad, as we've seen in this occasion, that's one thing. If they have some type of telemetry that tells them, for example, X amount of space is being used or new files are being added every day, X amount of data, X amount of files, this file system, there are so many clients within the, the internal network accessing the NAS, there are so many users accessing the NAS, that starts to be a whole lot of information that they're getting their hands on. And it gives some credence and some validity to the claims that the hackers are making. So there might be something there as well and might be why Western Digital is being so coy about it and not wanting to engage because something like this might come to light. And that can be even worse for them. It, it, it can be, but, but, but that just reminded me of the fact that 
um, you know, state state sponsored uh, threat actors are probably really wanting this information, like really, really bad. Like if it if they do indeed have the information they say they're having, then that's very attractive because that's metadata that could be used. Um, politicians could be using one of these hard drives for all I know. And then you could have something saved there that's going to, and it could be anywhere. I mean, I'm not even talking about the United States at all. I'm talking about, you know, the world because, you know, these things travel and they're sold to different countries and different markets. So these products exist in a lot of places and that's a lot of information that would be a gold mine. So, um, if that is true, that they have the information they say they have, it's potential that this, that we're seeing the beginning of something that could be um, blowing up. I mean, just the other day, and I'm not saying this is linked. This is a completely separate story. I'm going to assume it's unrelated until I find out otherwise. There was a politician that was completely taken over recently. Was it because of this? Probably not. But then in the future, we could see some things like this. Maybe someone could have their SSH keys for their company on one of these things, or even their home lab, and they just store their company's SSH keys on their home lab because they back up the work computer, which I've seen happen when they get home. There's like a million different possibilities with uh, where this could be. And um, I'm actually, I think the most surprising thing is that more didn't leak or come out in the amount of time that's passed since then. We, we have a decent amount of information, but there's still a lot that we don't know. What you mentioned there about the SSH keys, that's very interesting. SSH keys are one of those things that has a particular size and has a particular format. And that's something that you can actually look for. Um, and they're small enough that if they are exfiltrated through the network, you won't notice the extra traffic. Um, that can fit in two or three packets and it's out. Yep. Um, Grep-R um, and then when, you know, Grep-R and then, and then ID the underscore yeah. RSA or something like that, star RSA and then pub and you're, you're gone. gone. Um, you're starting an election cycle in the US soon, right? You're going to go into into campaign mode very Well, the campaign mode starts a lot sooner than the actual election. It, it's usually like something like two years. Like, yeah, like the two term. years before, yeah. so halfway, and then it starts to ramp up. And people know how those campaign headquarters are, are run. They have like everybody hectic and lots of people and interns and all everybody coming in and out at the same time and very little control. So imagine if you have somebody snooping at the data that's stored on the, the NAS device for that headquarter. Um, you don't even need the plumbers like in Watergate. So <laughs> you just need to know that there is a Western Digital NAS device there. Again, lots of many things that can happen and can come out from this. And it doesn't have to be copying files of there. It can be just the, the reverse. It can be just planting files somewhere that you know it's a user and having files of a certain type in their device might not be very good for their for their liberty um but yeah again lots of things that can go wrong here not just from the firmware not just for the business side and business aspects of this for western digital because of their trade secrets that might leak but um, for the way that they operate as a whole and if there is some validity in what the, the hackers are putting out there, the, the information about looking at too much information and storing too much information from their users, I honestly don't know what's more damaging for Western Digital at this point. It's, it, it's going to be huge. And I could guarantee, in my opinion, that 
whatever their profit was expected to be over a certain amount of time when, uh, you know, I'm alleging that they would have a conversation when they're thinking about creating the MyCloud product, you know, before it existed. And, you know, if we have cloud enabled, that's what everyone's looking for. We can make this much money. It'll give us an edge on the competition because if another provider is not doing cloud, but we are, then maybe somebody would go with us instead. And over time, we'll make this amount of money. Maybe they needed to have factored how much money they would lose if this data or something happens, which I'm guessing is probably more than what, what they would have gained from having the cloud feature at all. And you have to weigh that. Like, is it really worth it? Like, do you really want to um, have this massive thing happen to where you have to recover from just because you checked the box that you're offering cloud? I'd rather you just not offer it. This is also something that we're going to find out sooner or later because they're publicly traded. They have a fiduciary duty to their stakeholders to provide this information, at the very least on their stakeholders' calls, and they need to be open in those calls. They cannot hide this type of information. So we just need to wait for the next call and just need to wait for the information about this because this is going to be huge. This is going to affect their bottom line this year and probably following years, so they have to disclose this information. Um, and then we'll probably be in a better position to understand why they were being so tightly about this and they didn't want to engage with the hackers, um, what they were trying to keep hidden. Exactly. And then we'll get to find out who or what it is that created this. You know, either it's, you know, a teenager that just got a bright idea. It could be an inside employee that decided to, you know, pretend to be. We've seen this happen. And I'm not saying anything here tells me that it's an inside employee. So I'm not making that claim. But I'm just saying what it ends up being is going to be interesting. And then we'll, there's going to be some lessons learned from this. And I think the majority of the lessons learned for the enterprise um, it's going to be more around if they're offering services, they see what goes wrong with Western Digital. Um, I, I hope if something sad like this ends up happening, that other companies are looking at this, what can we do to make sure that we don't end up like that? And uh, that, that'll come with the information. But, you know, if you're thinking about coming out the cloud product, I mean, I'm not saying nobody should ever do a cloud product. I understand that cloud exists, but you really do, like we were saying earlier, have to be in control and responsible and have the right policies in place. You might need those policies, unfortunately. And as an enterprise user of cloud products, you need to have your strategy aligned in such a way that if one of your providers goes offline, you can still continue to operate. Mm -hmm. So maybe having just a backup provider where you sync your data to or some type of small deployment on a different cloud provider where you can move your, your instances to in case something breaks. And this is where we get into a problem with the, the cloud providers is their lock-in. Um, you get a lot of vendor lock-in mm -hmm. with the cloud providers. There's little data migration that can happen automatically, and it's always a hassle to set up. But it's also for things like this. If your cloud provider, the one that you're storing your data or your virtual infrastructure or your services or whatever applications you're deploying to the cloud, your databases, for example, um, try to find a way to sync them to somebody else's cloud so that you don't bring down the whole company just because your cloud provider has a bad day or just because somebody snipped the cable at the wrong place. Mm -hmm. um, yep. That's something that needs to be factored into a continuity plan, a business continuity plan, and something to be taken into, into consideration by everybody that's using the cloud, basically. Yeah, it, it's just another example of um, 
so many things. I, I feel like if we go any deeper, we could probably have like four episodes just on what happened alone and all the different things that could happen as a result of this um, before, you know, without even trying. But, um, you know, that's what, you know, I know on my head, my end so far, as far as what people should do about this, it's, um, I'm usually cautious to tell people to just abort using a product. I think that's granted, you know, you, I can't tell anyone to trust your hard drive now if there's firmware keys out there and there's nothing on my end I could think of that tells anyone to, you know, continue using this. But at the same time, money doesn't grow on trees, but that's the situation that we're in right now. And if it were me, you know, Western Digital is not something I would buy something from right now, at least until I know what's going on and what they're doing about it, how true the claims are that the threat actor made. Uh, we have to know that because it's possible they have nothing. It's unlikely because of the filing, yeah. but it is possible they have nothing. We don't know. And we have seen, you know, things where we think it's really, really bad and it's not nearly as bad as we thought. And we've also had situations where it's much worse than we thought. So... Um, Western Digital has come out on their initial press release that they were getting outside help from cybersecurity experts and law enforcement. They're probably also getting legal advice about their communications and what is coming out uh, as part of the information that they are, I mean, making public. Um, so they are probably very secure in the way that they are providing the information. It's just that as a user, whether enterprise or home user, to make an informed decision, you need more information than what is available right now. Um, you need to know several different things. It's it's all about the communication. You need to know if they have completely identified the problem, if it's not going to happen again next week, if it's reliable to use Western Digital products again, and the, what steps they took to prevent this from happening again. Um, you need to know basically all of the products that were affected. If there was actually a firmware leak, you need to know the series of the, the, the hard disks that were affected by that firmware. It's not exactly the same for all the devices. Some of them will have some differences on the firmware. So they need to, to come out with, uh, okay, this affects this line of devices, Western Digital Red or Blue or whatever, or this affects the Blacks or the Enterprise, uh, the enterprise versions. They have these weird namings. Um, but uh, still, there needs to be more information put out for people to, to get back some trust in Western Digital. Because at the end of the day, if you're purchasing Western Digital coming forward, then, then the next week comes out that the, the firmware has this security hole or somebody find a way to bypass the, the security measures in the firmware from the information that was leaked through this then you're the one that's going to be out, left out to, to dry for this. There's no recourse there. Um, so yeah, they need to come out with more information. That's actually one of the recommendations that we made on how to recover from a ransomware infection, um, was that the, the information part is very critical. The, the information that you put out for your users, for your partners, for your stakeholders, it has to be really good and you need to cover all your bases. So far, they, the way they are approaching this is just coming out with as little as possible. That's not the best uh, strategy in the long run. They'll probably have to revise yeah, this. Yeah, people need um, information. And then the other thing I thought about too, you know, because, you know, I do agree with you that the enterprise impact is going to be small, at least in, you know, in terms of using these hard drives. But Another thing we don't know, if the information leaked like it's said to have leaked, and if the firmware is out there, we, what we don't know is if internally for the firmware repository, 
Do they use the same base repository, but with different branches for the enterprise products and the residential products? Or do they have two completely separate repositories for the residential and enterprise? If it's a separate repository, then they, yeah, that means the residential line is, is susceptible to this. But knowing developers like I do, um, code reuse is always something that is considered a good thing because it's less work. So if they have a different branch, but the same firmware signing, we, we have no idea. So this could affect zero enterprise drives, or it could affect a lot of them. And as anybody knows that's ever replaced a RAID drive, it's staggering the version variations and confusing how many are there because you could be you could be thinking that you're buying the exact same model as the hard drive that died in your RAID array, for example, just to find out that that one number that's a little off uses CMR or SMR as a difference. You never really know. And, you know, there's just a lot of different variations out there. So I just personally, I can't imagine developers having that many repositories. So there's might be some overlap. And that's something we also need to know. Um, and to that effect, there are some variations in firmware that will change the, the reported capacity of the disks. Ooh. Maybe 100 megabytes less, uh, 200 megabytes less. If you have a RAID array and you replace one disk with another that has 200 megabytes less, it's not going to be used in the the repair. I, you're going to need to be to put the same amount or bigger. I have and absolutely in ran into that problem. Let me tell you, I have definitely hit that problem, and I forgot about it because I think I you know needed mental health treatment after and had to. And I'm joking, um, but no, seriously, that was like really frustrating, and it's one of the things that sysadmins just you know you, you hear a sysadmin say really you know that something like that is happening because that's what they all say every single time. You know the look. If you know if you're if you are a system administrator, you're giving that look. If you're not, you've seen the look. So, yeah, you buy the the same capacity from the same brand and you try to plug it into the array and it gets rejected. And it's really nasty. It is. And in many many admins yeah. will tell you Often they'll say, and I understand why they say this, don't buy all the hard drives for your array at the same time from the same store. Wait a few days and then order from somewhere else just in case, you know, there's a chance you could have, there's a bad batch and you have drives all from that same batch, but then you run into a situation like this. So there's going to be some more information. I, I feel like we're going to have to do a, um, a return episode to this at some point, probably soon. Yeah. We'll probably find out more about this if for no other reason than the hackers claim to still be in the network and they still haven't been found inside the network. So yeah, this is like the gift that keeps on giving. Um, please put out some more rep some more statements like the ones you put yesterday. It's always fun to read those. I um, think ChatGPT could have done yeah. a much better job. On <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to give them ideas right now. I'm just saying if they had to use ChatGPT, but uh, don't, anyway, don't listen to me. Um, then again, listen to me if it's easier to trace. I'm not. I'm, uh, again, don't listen to me. I'm, I'm an enabler here. I kid you yeah. not. AI disks before the end of the year. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Um, yeah. And I guess that's our episode for today. So thanks everybody who joined. It was a fun conversation as always. I'm sure we'll have more about this and more delightful posts to read from the hackers around this. If you can look it up, yeah, if you can look it up, it's very fun to read. Um, thanks everybody who joined. It was a pleasure as always and until the next one. Bye.